When I wake up, I, I feel hear. like I'm in a country western. Gotta go get the cattle. Giddy up. Welcome back to What's the Point? We are deep into our series on our our Lenten theme and our VBS theme and the theme for the youth gathering later this summer, Created to Be. Woohoo. It's me, Pastor Tom. And me, Heather Day. And me, Katie O'Connell. And two of the three of us are sick. And it's not me. <laughs> you may notice some low voices. That's all right. I wonder if Katie could edit this to make us sound more like Alvin and the Chipmunks. I bet I could. Yeah, speed, if you do like 1.5 speed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. I can't wait. That's great. It's, it's going to be a great introduction. Mm-hmm. She'll just you know splice it, copy it, put it back in yeah. on 1.5 speed. Sure. Maybe there would be a liturgical dance aspect too that could be done with the video. <laughs> I, I have heard of that happening before. Video. Well, okay, so since I'm under the weather, I my body just naturally craves all the comfort food in the whole wide world. Oh, same. So by way of helping me think about how I need to comfort myself, <laughs> <laughs> what sort of comfort food is your favorite? Because right now I just want a big bowl of mac and cheese. Like, ugh. Just craft mac so, and cheese? No, no, what no. You, what? Homemade mac and cheese. Oh, Got to be homemade. There you go. And like, I have a good cheat recipe that uses. This sounds terrible, but Campbell's soup. It makes a cheese soup. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. But like, yeah. that's just like a great cheat. And then you mm-hmm. just yeah. add some milk and some other cheese that you have, mm-hmm. and yeah, just nice and easy. That sounds really good. That's that's what I could go for right now. What about you, Heather? Ultimate comfort food. Well, I mean, Katie and I were just talking with. About we this, were. How we've both been making like pot pie or like a form of a chicken pot pie recently. Yeah. So that is like front of mind. But um, my when I was a kid, my mom would make this soup that no one in my family now will eat besides me. <laughs> so I don't ever make it. But speaking of Campbell's soup, it's like chicken noodle soup and cream of chicken soup. And then using like Bisquick to make dumplings in it. Oh. Yeah. And it's my it's favorite. So and she would always make it for us like if we were sick and like in the winter. And so I... It's so good and so much sodium. Uh-huh. <laughs> like just thinking about it, I can taste the salt. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's that's right up there. Mm-hmm. That does sound really good. Um, I have a couple different answers, Naturally. and I know, <laughs> I know. Um, it's all things that my mom have made. You know, grew up eating whatever. Um, the first one on on the lines of uh, macaroni and cheese. Um, we do boxed mac and cheese like craft. Right. And then you add in like a packet or two of tuna and then some peas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gagging over I, here. Here's the thing. I have only met one, one other person who grew up eating that. And it was oh. like, do you know um, Tim Schroeder? Vaguely. Okay. So he's the one who uh, I met. I like, that's who how I like. this monstrosity. <laughs> it, it was, he, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like Jake had never had it. And then I made it for him. And he's like, oh, this actually isn't that bad. Um, I can't explain it. I love it. Anyway, so there's that. Um, she also makes this like, oops, orange chicken thing. I'd never know what to call it. It's like orange chicken. 
but the sauce is made using, um, we call it orange chicken because it's the color orange because it uses, mm-hmm. uh, what is that called? Um, French dressing, like a bottle oh. of French dressing, some like apricot preserves, some um, onion soup mix, like Lipton's uh-huh. onion soup mix, whatever. You mix it all up and then that's like the sauce for it. So good. I can I. They're, they're giving me faces and like I cannot explain I, I, it. I can't comprehend. I that's, just I can't decide what that's gonna taste like. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> a little sweet, a little savory. Uh-huh. A whole Kinda lot of like, vomit. No, no. You <laughs> oh. I think you should make nice. it. I think you should make it for oh, us. Okay. I've actually never made it and I want the recipe, but my mom doesn't measure things. So, um, but I'll, I will get the ingredient list and, uh, do my best and I'll bring some in for you guys to try. Speaking of that, my, my son in college asked me recently for a recipe that was like clearly one of his comfort foods where he wanted to make sloppy joes. Oh yeah. And so I took a picture of the recipe and sent it to him and it literally says ketchup, a lot. Mustard. <laughs> a little. Uh-huh. Worcestershire sauce. A few shakes. And he's like, what is this recipe? Uh-huh. This is not a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the engineer to be like, yeah. I can't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. My uncle one time, he made us sliders. This was like right yeah. when sliders were becoming super popular. And we're like, ooh, what is on top of this? Because this is delicious. And he's like naming off these, you know, all these different ingredients. And then he gets to brown sugar. And I'm like, but wait how much brown sugar and he just like pretends like he's holding up a bag and he goes he, like pushes it forward and he's like mm, about this much and i'm like okay perfect i know exactly what that means i love it that's great so yeah so those are my answers well i feel katie that your menu items it. have disrupted my my thought process I'm for comfort glad food. They did. <laughs> i'm glad they did and you These know, are my comfort foods, not yours. And you know why I'm glad you disrupted me? Because we're talking about disruption today. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> what a segue. That was what so a bad. segue. Really bad. Dear listeners, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but our next theme in our created to be theme is disruptive and how we are called to be disruptive. Um, and I think one of the, I guess, the easiest example I can think of uh, for that in the text is when Jesus flipped a bunch of tables in yeah. the temple, That's right? Like awesome. Jesus was upset with the, sorry, I'm going to the my notes here. Uh, Jesus was upset with money lenders and money changers in the temple, and he literally flips tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says, uh, this is, I can't, not my favorite translation, but it's what's in front of me. Uh, my house was designed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den or a hangout for thieves. And Ooh. Jesus flips the tables, which mm-hmm. I always, <laughs> sounds terrible, but I always feel super uh, cringy when there are too many things going on in the lobby. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, here, <laughs> sign up for this. There's an auction for that or tickets for this. And it's like, oh. Christmas is mm, the worst for that. Yes. And that's, I feel that because every time I'm like, let's just. <laughs> Let's just not. Let's get this all out and call it good. <laughs> so you want to flip the tables? Yeah. I don't necessarily want to flip the tables. I, I just do. wonder what would Jesus do? I no do. more Christmas wreaths. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I don't think uh, that's not the, the argument here of uh, the youth gathering or VBS or our Lenten theme. I don't think of uh, flipping tables at, in the lobby. 
but rather how are we called to be disruptive? How are we called to speak truth to power or use, um, I think Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament theologian, would say, how do we use a prophetic imagination uh, and it help that inform our faith? Mm-hmm. Because prophets are, um, sorry, I'm, I'm just name dropping my old professors, but are the the role of the prophet, Terry Fredheim once said, and he used the image of a garden, is to be the the plow, the tiller, the hand tool, whatever, to disrupt the the soil that has settled. Mm-hmm. The prophet disrupts it so that, however you want to think of it, God's word or whatnot can be planted within the soil and new life can take place. So the role of the prophet is to disrupt the soil. And so how are we called to disrupt the status quo so that new life can take root? Uh you know, it's funny. So this kind of, there are five themes that come, you know, originally from the youth gathering and now we're using for all of these. Um, and we're using them as a basis for vacation Bible school, but there's only four days of vacation Bible school. So we had to not use one of them. And my first instinct was not to do this one <laughs> because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry, do children need to learn to be more disruptive? No. Right. right? So I'm like, ooh, no. Ooh. But then digging into it more, I just realized that actually this is a really great topics for kids and that they really, um, I think, can can understand where this is going and um, being able to talk to kids about like, okay, are there rules that are unfair? Are there, you know, to think about bullying or, you know, like, when are the times when it's appropriate for you to step up and say, no, this isn't right? Uh, I think that kids will really be able to connect with that idea. Um, so I'm really excited, actually, to use this topic with them. Um, yeah, the in the VBS curriculum, it uses the Bible story of when um, the... That a paralyzed man uh, wanted to get in to see Jesus, but mm. the house was too full, so his friends lowered him through the yeah. roof. Yeah. And, you know, like broke with the rules. Like they weren't supposed to come in. And they were like, no, really, you need Jesus, you need to see our friend. And so we're going to go to these extraordinary lengths that are maybe against, you know, the rules to make sure that our friend is taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what kids do with this topic. Um, the other thing that you make me think of, Tom, um, talking about, you know, the role of prophets as kind of tilling the soil. Um, When I was at Luther Seminary, you know, over the pandemic, um, thinking about my classmates and how much everyone loved the hymn, um, the Canticle of the Turning. I love that. (laughs) That, you know, like future church leaders are like, yes, we cannot wait to be disruptive Mm -hmm. because there are things in the church that need to be disrupted. And so this, you know, the world is about to turn Mm -hmm. uh, theme of the Canticle of the Turning. It's just like, oh, everybody loved that one. Like, yes, we get to sing that Mm because I think so many like future church leaders really see their role coming Mm -hmm. in as like maybe disrupting the status quo, Mm -hmm. um, which pros and cons to that attitude. (laughs) But (laughs) uh yeah, I think, I think people like the idea of being the one that comes in and, and tills Mm -hmm. the soil and gets it ready for new things to Mm come. It's hard. It's really Mm -hmm. hard work to do that. I mean, I tried, um, 
I tried when I was at Bloomer because it was just, I started there when the Senate had just introduced like the, um, I don't know, what are the the five themes or the five, five goals or whatever. And so one of them was like, um, so the, the, the green team or caring for creation was one, mm-hmm. um, getting X amount of, of congregations in the synod to become an RIC congregation. Mm-hmm. There's like, mm-hmm. there were like five different goals or whatever. Yeah. And, um, a bunch of us got together one day and we sat down and figured out a good starting point for, um, for St. John's and Bloomer and, I was, I think, the only one who was like a super, super, super strong advocate for uh, beginning the RIC process mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. like, in a in a small town like Bloomer, you, it's important to have a church where that's um, where where you say we welcome anybody, regardless of who you are, where you come from, blah blah, blah. and. Uh, I think that really took some of the older people back a little bit and was just like, what did we get ourselves into hiring this young kid <laughs> to be the youth She's director? A troublemaker. Right? Um, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, but, but I haven't been here long, but I already know that we have several youth who are a part of the LGBT community, and I'm not going to name drop them because that's not my responsibility. But we need to be supportive and we need to make sure that they know that they are supported. And um, unfortunately that is not where they started, um, which is fine. But uh, I advocated for it hard then. And I continued to throughout my time there just because I was like, it's small town. It's small town, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. but we can do this. It's, it's hard to be the only one who yeah. is disrupting or yes. feels like that's your role. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tom's being thoughtful over here. Yeah, no. He it, <laughs> uh, I can't remember who, maybe it was Caroline Lewis. Speaking of name dropping oh, seminary sorry. professors. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, okay. So there's, someone had this quote in an article and it was something like, Maybe she just brought it up once, and I, a pastor friend of mine really was offended by it because he loves rural ministry. But it was like, like how it was, it was a question, something like, how many prophetic voices have been silenced from small, like just like parish ministry? Mm. That it just parish ministry snuffs out the prophetic voice of many pastors. Mm. That was the at least the, mm. the argument of the question or the quote, and. I mean, he <laughs> he he very much disagreed because he loved rural ministry and um, tried to be a prophetic voice. But I, I wonder how often, whether it's not just the parish ministry, but how often are we all just settling? Yeah. Instead of exercising that call to be disruptive, it's a lot easier to let things go. It's a lot easier to I don't know, just pretend everything's okay. Mm-hmm. When For it's sure. not. And Pastor Patrick had a, a really good sermon yesterday. Uh, we celebrated uh, the 10th anniversary of Trinity being a reconciling in Christ congregation. Uh, and Heather had a fireside chat about reconciling works and the efforts Trinity is currently in, not 
like we're that we're doing a lot or that we've reached you know a certain point but like we're doing some things and we're trying to do more mm-hmm. but uh you know pastor patrick brought up next benedict and mm-hmm. and their unfortunate death and mm-hmm. i mean murder really and how being indifferent or silent about that is allowing it essentially and so how is the church called to be disruptive in that sort of situation mm-hmm. and chances are a lot of us aren't gonna be in that sort of situation where we have to speak up on behalf of someone's life perhaps in that situation but how are the things that we do or don't do allowing injustice in the world and so it's i don't know disruptive for me is kind of a a mirror to the soul of how we want to be and live in our communities and as quote unquote Christians, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think back to, um, and I don't have this in front of me, but the passage from, I think it's Luke four that quotes uh, from Isaiah where Jesus comes in and says like, I have come to bring all the things that are leaving my head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But basically, Jesus coming in to his home church and declaring, like, I'm here to shake things up. Like, <laughs> I'm here. This is it. Get ready. Mm-hmm. And they were like, mm, I don't know go, about that. Actually, it, go jump off a cliff. Yeah. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Certainly right. not you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but, you know, I love that 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 passage that just kind of sets up, like, oh, right, that part of our faith is about, like, upending some of the like status quo that maybe has been easy Mm -hmm. that you know that's comfortable and easy especially for those who maybe have power and privilege Mm -hmm. um that a a lot of what jesus did was to challenge those assumptions of the status quo and like okay well maybe this is you know great for you person with money and power and privilege and prestige but what about the people who aren't in your position Mm -hmm. let's you know um so yeah, that uh, yeah, but it's hard. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think about <clears throat> disruptive a lot with the youth, and and this kind of you you just the people of power just made me think about this and how um, one of the things, and I'm sure you hear it a lot, Heather, and probably you too, Tom. One of the things I heard a lot as a uh, youth director not only in bloomer but also like when i was also in um at uh stout in campus ministry and um my little field whatever field work when i was at luther some um but one of the things i heard a lot from adults especially older adults is why don't we see any youth here (laughs) and i would always look at them and say what are you what are you doing to create the space for that because I'm trying really hard and I get a lot of pushback. So how do we take what we know and love, right? And adjust it so that we have this space for the youth because quite frankly, there's youth who want to be here, but if we don't make space for them, then they're not going to come. Hmm. And I, you know, I, we're recording this right now, sitting in our new youth room. Right. Um, which is just an example to me that, you know, I think I have been really pleased with the reception that 
I have gotten to wanting to, you know, make some changes and make mm-hmm. space for youth, like literally make space mm-hmm. for youth in a place where they can be seen and not in the old youth room, which was tucked away right. where, you know, nobody can hear or see them. Um, and, and so when we moved into this space, it was, you know, uh, people were supportive of that. And mm-hmm. I have really appreciated that, that it didn't, it didn't feel like there needed to be disruption in order to make a change mm-hmm. that like, no, people can recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a good idea. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's hard when, you know, young people are kind of made to disrupt things, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in a church where, you know, it's been around a long time and there's a certain way of doing things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to make space for young people who might have different ideas yeah. is and, and yeah, tricky sometimes. I think not just young people like youth, but young people like young adults, like... Like, like you, like me. Um, that's one of my things. I know, I know. But but seriously, like up until I mean, I've always kind of been involved in a church because this has been my line of work mm-hmm. for several years now. And like in college, I was part of Lutheran Campus Ministry, very involved there. But a lot of my peers who are um, either single or married with no kids they don't come to church because there's nothing really for them there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, Mm -hmm. so again, how do you create that space for them? I don't know. How do you create something that they want to come to? I don't know. Even as a young adult, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they, but they want to. So how does that tie into the theme of disruption, Katie? How does that tie into the theme of disruption? I think I think young people are just yearning for a place to belong, right? To come to worship, to have a community that they once had, right? Um, But then also figuring out a place, or not a place, sorry, figuring out how we can, like, be open to that and, like, maybe not having everything be during the day, like (laughs) tech study, for example, I think a lot of people would want to come to that, but I think there's so many things that are tied around the older people, like the retired, you know, retirement age people. And so having, having people be open to the idea that maybe, maybe, maybe we need to expand what we do and the times that we do them at. Um, Which is disruptive to the status quo. Yeah. Of how a lot of churches function. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying now reminds me a lot of what we talked about when before we started this podcast, you know, wanting to create a space for conversation where, mm-hmm. you know, people can listen in and, and participate in their own way at the time that works best for them mm-hmm. um, and using a, you know, a form of media that, you know, many people use. Um, yeah. And that was part of the reason why we wanted to start the podcast was to just try something new and different and reach people who maybe don't fit into the status quo Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. the church has always done. Um, And I feel like that, I hope that that has happened a little bit, at least. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Right. Right. Hi. Hi. (laughs) To those of you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, friends, I think this about wraps it up for our disruptive conversation. We only have one 
more topic in the series. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So next week, next week we're going to talk Buckle about up. how yeah we're created to be disciples, and that means Lent is quickly coming to a close. Like that's insane. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, indeed. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So what are it we going to do mind. after this Lenten series? Do you guys know? Uh, we could talk about the Church of Baseball. Ew. <laughs> I, I could get you a guest, a guest for that. <laughs> it's well, also a Bull Durham quote. Oh. I believe in the Church of Baseball. That's Have you seen Bull Durham? No. Sorry. Don't get me started on baseball movies. Well, if you guys have anything, our <laughs> listeners, if you have anything that you want us to talk about, please let us know. You can do that by emailing me, Katie, at Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at trinity-ec.org. Um, or if you happen to see any one of us on a Sunday morning or Wednesday evening, just pull aside. Let us know. We're always open to ideas. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Reese's Pieces, everyone. Mm -hmm. Go be disruptive. You're created (laughs) to be. Bye. Bye. Bye.